Some of you have asked how you can help us. While most of us would say, we want wine. <sighs> Italia Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs the moolah. You can donate through Patreon or GoFundMe by heading to italianwinepodcast.com. We would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Today we travel to Umbria, to one of Italy's most historic wine zones, Orvieto, to meet my guest, Nicolò Barbarani, the winemaker at the family Barbarani Wine Company. Ciao, Nicolò. How are you today? Is the sun shining over the beautiful Lago di Corbara? Ciao, buongiorno. I'm very, very happy to be here with you today. And uh, I'd say it's a beautiful rainy day here, uh, but uh, that's very, very useful because the soil needs water. So we are very, very happy even if it's rainy. Okay, so in this winter period, rain is very important for that moisture to penetrate deep into the vineyards. It is very, very, very important, especially with our clay limestone soils. It's uh, fundamental to... Okay. Yes, it really is. Now, Nicolò, for our listeners who may not have been to Orvieto before, to the beautiful wine country that surrounds it, can you please describe the countryside where you are? Maybe also tell us a little bit about Orvieto, this this amazing historic city. Of course, Orvieto, it's really, really a beautiful town and a beautiful area. It's one of the oldest ancient winemaking area of Italy. We have, uh, we are very proud to have uh, 3,000 years of history in Orvieto of winemaking. The Etruscans were making wine in Orvieto, but uh, let's describe a little bit about the, the soil and the area. The area is one of the biggest uh, DOC that we have uh, in Italy. Uh, the Orvieto DOC is also going a little bit uh, out in the Lazio area, just a little bit. And uh, it's mainly divided into macro areas, which is very, very important. Orvieto is very close to a lake that is called uh, uh, Bolsina Lake, and another lake that is called Corbara Lake. The Bolsina Lake is the oldest and biggest volcanic lake of Europe. So this volcano, with uh, his eruptions, created all the soils around the uh, west area of Orvieto. So the west part of the Orvieto vineyards are in a volcanic soil made of tufo, that is a volcanic rock. Then the East area, the heart closer to the Umbria region and Tuscany, it's completely different. We have an older, older soil, a sedimental soil, and in particular where I am now, 
in my company that is uh, uh, just uh, close to the Corbara Lake, that, that is the Tiber River, the river that goes to Rome, Il Tevere, is made with a very, very unique clay limestone uh, calcareous soil. And uh, there was the sea here about 25, uh, 30 million years ago. So it's very, very old, very poor. But we know very well that in the oldest soils, in the poorest soil, the vines are growing in a marvelous way. Okay, that's a beautiful description and an important one. I wasn't aware so much of that distinction between the tufo, this compacted volcanic ash, this stone soils that are very good for the vine, and also the limestone clay, the more sedimentary deposits by the lake. Now, Orvieto itself is actually, the city is built on a butt of this tufo stone. Is that right? And for centuries and millennia, the town itself was riddled with underground caves. Yes, yes. That's uh, that's something that is incredibly special about Orvieto. Uh, it's a, a volcanic tufaceous rock. It says that uh, maybe should be the, the head, the top of the Bolsena Volcano that uh, from the explosion wow. formed this uh, this beautiful this beautiful rock and uh, this rock uh, it's unique not just because of the, the of the soil and the and the, the construction itself but it's unique because uh, Orvieto it's a very small town but it's the second italian city for the numbers of underground caves in the town and it's they are all hand carved so this is pretty special and strange but uh, there's a meaning in that. Uh, the Tuscans were the first population living uh, in the Orvieto area around uh, 3,000 years ago, so very before the Romans, so very long time ago. And uh, uh, those, uh, those caves were very useful for them because they were uh, uh, taking out the rocks to build uh, the buildings, but also they used the caves uh, for, uh, for their uh, to to preserve to evolve uh, their food and especially wine so they they were so smart and so brilliant in wine making that they developed uh, a unique technique that we even uh, use today in uh, in modern in modern ways that is uh, something very very special uh, it's called the, the three floor wine making processes they were using uh, uh, the caves uh, in undergr- underground in three floors to make the wine. How the first uh, the first floor that was uh, with a temperature temperature around uh, twenty five uh, degree was to press the wine. So they pressed the wine by feet, and then uh, slowly the wine was going uh, down in the second floor that was uh, around uh, fifteen uh, degree. And uh, that was the perfect, perfect temperature for the fermentation of the wine, which is uh, incredible. Then, after the fermentation, uh, they made the wine flow in the third floor. The third floor was uh, uh, around uh, 5 degrees of temperature, so it's perfect for the conservation. It was the the natural refrigerator, we could say, uh, of the ancient time. And this method is the same, same kind of method that we even use today in a natural way to preserve it, to make the wine evolve in the winemaking processes. So this is, was uh, really, really something incredible. That's incredible, Nicolo. That, that, so in effect, the ancient in ancient times under the Etruscans, the Romans, through the Middle Ages, 
Orvieto benefited from the perfect conditions for making wine. Even today, with stainless steel and temperature control, they, they, these conditions are only as good as what you naturally have in Orvieto. Yes. And uh, the evolution of the winemaking uh, uh, was not stopped with the Truxcans because the Romans conquered all the area. And uh, here in our company and close to our company, uh, we found um, uh, an old uh, Roman factory of uh, wine containers, wine orchards. Uh, they were producing those containers. They were putting the wine inside. Uh, the Tiber River was the highway of the Roman time. Okay. So they used the Tiber River to uh, ship the wine from here to Rome and then from Rome to all the Mediterranean area, all the uh, Roman Empire. So we can say even in Roman time, the Orvieto wine was uh, exported uh, in uh, all around uh, Europe. And that's that's beautiful. That's really, really amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Then after that, in the medieval time, uh, the church, the church state conquered, the Pope conquered all the area. And uh, the Pope was very, very smart, uh, I would say, because uh, he kept Orvieto, uh, he said, as uh, his uh, uh, holiday uh, town. But uh, the real thing, it was that Orvieto is a natural fortified rock. So uh, he used, uh, when in Rome there were some problems, he used to escape in Orvieto. He just closed the door and it was safe. But uh, he needed two things, uh, the water, and so he built the, the St. Patrick's Well, which is something beautiful to see and to visit. And then he, he needed, uh, needed a cathedral. So he built the, the Duomo of Orvieto, the Duomo Cathedral, which is one of the most beautiful cathedrals that we have in Italy. And uh, it's full of paintings. It's full of uh, uh, really, really incredible handcrafted stones that we're making, uh, using and paying the painters and all the artisans half in money and half in wine. And all the paintings are surrounded by vines, by grapes. So the wines were, was again, really, really present in the culture of the medieval time here. Oh, that's a wonderful, wonderful description of, of the importance and centrality of wine throughout Orvieto's history. And of course, continuing today. Yes, we are very, we are very proud to continue this beautiful tradition. Absolutely. Now, tell me, uh, Nicolo. I think I visited your winery in 1990, so it's a very long time ago, more than 30 years. Wow. But I recall um, that, in fact, originally, I think you hadn't moved to Basque that long ago, but you, the family had originally begun in those historic caves up at the top of the town. Is that correct? It is very correct, and I'm very happy that you uh, remember this, because it's a part of the history of our family, obviously, but also part of the history of uh, Orvieto town. Uh, my family, the Barbieri family, it's uh, here in this uh, area since uh, 300, 400 years. After the Second World War, my grandfather, uh, Vittorio, with his brothers, uh, went to live uh, in the Orvieto town and opened the three most important bars uh, of the town. And uh, he was so, so in uh, agriculture, so much uh, in winemaking processes. Uh, he was uh, called uh, the the Leonardo da Vinci of the area because uh, he was a little bit of a genius. He was uh, uh, building uh, uh, agriculture instruments from the from the uh, old uh, Carrermati of the Second World War. So it was something very, very 
he was a person who was very very charismatic and uh, so with uh, producing the he was producing the wine from the for the for the bars and the wine was so good and Orvieto was so full of people visiting the town that he decided in the 61 to build up a company and to put the label Barberani in this beautiful wine made here in this area. And uh, the, the funny thing was that uh, at that time, uh, our uh, uh, winemaking processes, our cellar was uh, inside the underground caves of Orvieto which is uh, something really crazy thinking about uh, the modern times, but for that time was uh, was really, really special. I have beautiful memories of that. And, uh, and my father really, really built uh, and grew uh, the company in, in those beautiful caves, uh, making wine in the Tufo caves, which is uh, something uh, really, really incredible. I remember uh, uh, Robert Mondavi, coming to see uh, our, um, our, our um, wine cellar. And uh, he was uh, so surprised uh, and about that that uh, he gave uh, a beautiful, uh, beautiful present to my to my father, uh, remembering uh, those uh, unique, unique uh, wine cellars. And so, until the eighty, uh, the early eighties, middle of eighties, uh, we were there working there, making wine there. Obviously, uh, uh, that was uh, a little bit of uh, uncomfortable and not very easy to do. So we decided, my father decided to move uh, inside the vineyard and in the, the most beautiful hill of uh, our estate, uh, he built uh, a, a, modern, uh, a modern wine cellar with very, very incredible sustainability concepts, which are uh, uh, really very modern even today. All the people that is coming to see our uh, our uh, our company, our estate, uh, is so surprised about uh, what we do here uh, using uh, the natural resources, which is something uh, uh, really special. Consider that we build and this uh, this building uh, like uh, it is in underground cave, so the humidity and the temperature is preserved. There is no air conditioning inside. It's all, there's a natural uh, Italian patent that is uh, conditioning in a natural way all the area, all the inside the, the building of the cellar without using air conditioning. We use for 95% all natural light in our cellar. We don't use electrical light. Imagine in the 85 to uh, to see it, to in, invent uh, such a beautiful, beautiful uh, idea to work uh, in a very, very sustainable and respectful way of our nature, which is uh, now a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful, beautiful thing that I really, we really enjoy every day here. Gosh, that's really visionary, Nicolo, that, that, that your father had that, that foresight to realize the importance and perhaps to try to replicate those beautiful natural conditions that were so inconvenient up in the town of Orvieto, but which were so perfect for winemaking. Yes. And now, was it for this reason as well that you then also have decided, uh, and I'm not sure when it was, that you went completely organic? Italian Wine Podcast. If you think you love wine as much as we do, then give us a like and a follow anywhere you get your pods. Yes, it's, uh, it was very natural for us. Uh, we always, uh, uh, the first thing to say is that uh, uh, where we are, we are in a natural protected area. It's the Tiber River Natural Park. 
parco fluviale del Tevere. So the area is uh, is protected. You you cannot build uh, here. You cannot uh, uh, use chemicals here. So uh, for us uh, to respect this beautiful ecosystem, which is uh, not just uh, for animals and plants, but also the microbiotic side of the ecosystem, uh, it's uh, really really well balanced. There's a beautiful harmony here. If you come here, you see around. Uh, incredible forests, hills full of this green that is uh, typical from the Umbria region. Then there is the lake, so this water that is, uh, it's the, the mirror of the sun. And so uh, the light that, it, that comes to the vineyard, it's uh, really, really incredible and useful for the winemaking processes. And so this uh, uh, harmonic side, this uh, uh, incredible balance that we have, we want to preserve it. Our uh, our uh, duty and our role here is not just to make wine. Our role is to preserve what we have, is to respect what we have, and to evolve it uh, to the maximum level. That's my focus and was my focus of my grandfather and my father. And uh, me and my brother, we are doing uh, this uh, this job with this purpose. That's why we put uh, really a lot of effort, not just to be organic, but uh, to respect our nature uh, in a many Many, many ways. Consider that now we don't use uh, any chemical products inside the vineyards, even uh, not uh, copper sulfide, because uh, we don't need it. We we did uh, we did a lot of uh, of uh, experimentation with uh, two different universities to develop uh, a way uh, to use all natural products inside the vineyards, like uh, um, uh, leaves extracted uh, extracted from yeast, extracted from uh, uh, algaes or uh, uh, rock dust that is very, very useful and very natural for the plants. And then we, we try to do uh, uh, circular agriculture. So everything that the plants are giving to us, from the wood of the stamp uh, to the uh, everything that we take out uh, from the harvest, we put it inside the soil of our vineyards to fertilize it and to give it back to the plants. And then we do uh, organic fertilization also, obviously, but not just that. We plant seeds every year in autumn to have a natural fertilization and uh, to preserve this beautiful harmony of the soil, which is uh, incredibly, incredibly important. And that's why we have uh, new vineyards, but uh, we mostly have old vineyards that are uh, even uh, 50, 60, 60 years old because of that, because the soil is very well balanced. Now, Nicolo, let's talk about... Um these all these incredible efforts to to get the best fruit to make a very special wine Orvieto Classico tell us tell our listeners what makes Orvieto this wine that has been famous for hundreds and thousands of years even what makes the wine of Orvieto so special Orvieto Classico it's uh, as you said uh, has an incredible long story and uh, the the character of the Orvieto of the Orvieto wine and the, of the Orvieto soil is uh, pretty unique. Many, 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 a lot of people is saying that uh, Orvieto area is uh, one of the best area to make, uh, especially white wines in in Italy, because uh, uh, of the soil, because of the unique climate condition between those two lakes, and later we'll talk about it. And uh, but the grapes that we use are pretty unique too. Uh, the original blend of the Orvieto was uh, from uh, five grapes that were Grechetto, uh, Trebbiano, Drupeccio, Verdelle, and Mambasia. 
But now we are focused on uh, my company and my family, uh, me and my brother Bernardo, we are focused to using only our indigenous grapes. So for us, the Orvieto is made with the Grechetto, which is uh, uh, the, the prince of our white grapes, especially in, in our area is developing in an incredible way. And the Trebbiano Procanico, which is a, a, a Trebbiano that grows typically in this area. So those two uh, varieties are working together in an amazing way. The Grechetto is very powerful, considering that it's one of the uh, few uh, white grapes that is developing the tannins inside. So there's a a beautiful, strong part of the wine, and another part that is very fruity and, uh, and aromatical. And then the Trebbiano is giving uh, uh, elegance to the wine and is giving uh, a lot of uh, um, apple and uh, banana and uh, some incredible aromas. So they're working together in an amazing way. And the Orvieto wine is not a wine that is... Uh, taking you for his power or for his uh, uh, incredibly high coal containers or stuff like that. Orvieto wine is good and is very famous for his elegance. The, our soils and our, uh, and our climate condition is giving to the wine incredible elegance, incredible drinkability. And uh, that, that does not mean that the wine is easy, but it means that the wine is... Uh, elegant it's enjoyable you can pair it with uh, a lot really a lot of uh, amazing food and it's a wine that is uh, lasting for a very very long time even if it's a white this is a, a character that is pretty unique because most of the whites are lasting for two three years and then they're not good but the other wines are lasting for five ten or fifteen twenty years in an incredible evolution way so it's really, really interesting and pretty, pretty unique. Well, that's that's a beautiful description, and I think elegance and drinkability are so important in 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 the best wines. So that is a those are great attributes. Now, Nicolo, you you've also mentioned the particular climate and microclimate conditions which sometimes arise in in autumn months, I guess, that lead to a very, very special wine. Let's talk now about Calcaia, about about um, these amazing dessert wine that you are producing. Yes, I'm very happy that you, you mentioned it because uh, Orvieto area, and especially where we are, uh, close to the Corbara Lake, close to the Tiber River, uh, is really something uh, uh, that is uh, uh, unique in Italy. We are the only area of Italy that can spontaneously uh, develop uh, the botrytis, the noble rot, and uh, it's, it's something that is an old tradition. Uh, even the Tuscans and the Romans were making it, and uh, uh, so we are. Uh, we, my father, was the first one that was thinking about it, and uh, by chance uh, he, it happened that they found out uh, this uh, developing of this. Uh, uh, of this malt, this mushroom growing uh, around the grapes. So what's what's let's talk about what it is really. Uh, here in uh, autumn time, uh, from the middle period of September, uh, we have a special and uh, climate condition. Uh, we have the, a lot of humidity during the night. So if you come here, you can see anything, fog everywhere. Then during the day. Uh, around uh, 9, 9.30, it comes the wind and the sun. So the, all the humidity, all the fog is fading away, and uh, there is a dry, dry uh, climate condition. This uh, duality 
makes develop uh, a rot that is the normal rot that is growing around the fruits or uh, everywhere uh, when you forgot uh, uh, your apples uh, in your house or whatever, you know. But this, with this climate condition, it develops in a special way. It's called botrytis. It's called the noble rot. And why noble? Because it's growing only outside the berries and not inside. Uh, so growing outside means that uh, uh, this uh, this mold is searching for water, so it's uh, doing a uh, little little holes inside the, the skin of the berries, taking out the water, so concentrating uh, the sugarness, but not just the sugarness, also even also the acidity, and giving to the grapes uh, and to the fruits uh, amazing aromas, amazing scents, uh, incredible uh, components inside the wine that are. Uh, that, that you will discover later in the wine that are really, really unique and giving to the wine uh, something very, very special. So uh, my father is working with this kind of uh, winemaking method and process from the 70s. And in the 80s, he came out with the first label of the Kaikaya, which is a sweet dessert wine. But uh, I say to call it a, a dessert wine is, uh, is not uh, properly good because it's more. Uh, this sweet wine is not sticky, it's not heavy, it's not uh, uh, just for, uh, for, uh, for sweet, but it's a wine that is so complex. It has this beautiful acidity that uh, it's still uh, uh, very, very fresh, that you can pair it not just uh, uh, by himself and not just with sweets, but also with uh, amazing, amazing food. And uh, like I'd say, uh, cheese is the first choice. If you have some goat cheese or blue cheese, the pairing is outstanding. Uh, here with the traditional food, uh, we pair it also with the pigeon liver, which is something very, very special to try. But uh, if you go uh, in the seaside, you can pair it with oysters, which is uh, crazy to think about it. But if you try it, you will be incredibly impressed. Because the, this beautiful uh, sweetness and then uh, this uh, acidity that is very fresh is cleaning uh, the, the, the flavor of the oysters in your mouth and give you an experience that is outstanding, really. And then also, I, I'd say you can pair it with the Christmas sweets, like the panettone or the torrone. It's really, really a perfect pair, pairing with this wine. And uh, the complexity that uh, the, the Botrades, the Noble Rot, is giving to the wine is something... Uh, uh, that is uh, uh, really, really, really uh, special. Uh, we're using our traditional grape, the Orvieto traditional grape. So it's again the Grechetto and the Trebbiano grapes. But uh, this, uh, this, uh, this, malt, this malt is giving to the grapes aromatic flavors. So uh, if you try a Botradis wine, an Orvieto Botradis wine, you'll find a bouquet of flavors that is. Uh, so big, so high, and so special that you, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure you've never tried before. And there are, those are wines that can last for forever, for really forever, and growing in abundance in an amazing way. Yes, it is one of the great, great dessert wines of Italy, and I would say of the world. I haven't tried it for a little while, Niccolo, but I, I have um, incredible memories of, of, of tasting Calcaia. And I know it's still available here in the UK through the Wine Society. So um, uh, it's it's a, a wine I really urge people to sample if they're able to get a hold of it. Now you mentioned a little bit about the the pairing of Calcaia and also that Orvieto itself 
the Orvieto Classico, is such a versatile wine, a wine that goes so well, both with the traditional foods of Umbria, as well as with international cuisine, cuisine from everywhere. It really is a food wine. It is. It is a lot. And uh, that's that's one of the reasons of, uh, of the big success of the Orvieto, because of the pairing. Um, thinking about the history of Orvieto, we also have uh, the character of the Orvieto wine that is not very uh, or just dry, but we also produce the Amabile, the medium dry wine. Uh, it, uh, yeah, it was an old tradition in Orvieto to keep a little bit more the grapes uh, in a little bit of late harvest in the vineyards. And this tradition makes a wine that is even more drinkable, even more enjoyable, and even more pairable with, uh, with food. So I imagine uh, my, my wines pairing with a lot of foods. You, you, can, you can pair Orvieto with truffles, with mushroom, with sushi. It's outstanding. So you can try it with a lot of things and enjoy it very, very much. Well, Nicolo, thank you so much for, for being my guest today and for taking our listeners on a trip not only to beautiful Umbria, to Orvieto, to the Lake Corbara, but also back in time to when wine was made by Etruscans and Romans and through the Middle Ages. It's been a really fascinating um, discussion with you, and I hope our, our listeners will pay a trip to Orvieto and visit the Barbarani winery or seek your wines out wherever they are. It's, a, it's about time I came back to meet you again, and I hope I can do so sometime soon. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mark. I'm inviting everyone to come to Orvieto and uh, see the beautiful town, obviously, and to come to our estate to be our guest. We have a beautiful uh, Agriturismo country house, and we organize wine tours. Uh, we have two wine shops, uh, so it's really, really a beautiful experience uh, in the real, natural, umbrial uh, nature. So please enjoy. I wait for you, obviously, Mark, to come back and uh, enjoy a glass of Calcaia and Luigi Giovanna with us. Thank you very much. Oh, I can't wait. Grazie, Nicolo. Grazie. Ciao. Ciao. Buon anno, buon Natale. Arrivederci. Ciao. Ciao. Buon Natale. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin.